0: Day on no driving gloves. It's time to say goodbye.
1: So, if you wanna talk about cars? Ferrari, GTO, Bentley, CRX, and even down to your great granddad's Peerless. Welcome to No Driving. A car talk authority, where experience, knowledge, and controversy share the same seat. Enjoy the ride. Now your hosts, John and Derek.
0: Happy generic time of the day to you, Derek. Hey, John, how's it going? Ah, just a wonderful day. Everything's happening. Everything's exciting.
1: Oh, good. Then we can we can bring that excitement and greatness down with today's topic of saying goodbye.
0: Well, I'm going to say something real positive. We don't hit much personal, but I was on the Natchez, Nat, Nat, I was on the Natchez Trace the other day, um, just buzzing along in Mississippi and got passed by a row of hot rods, street rods, whatever Will wants to call them. Buzzing the opposite direction. Really nice afternoon, really nice cruise. I really wish I was in something other than a fiesta,
1: as they puttered on by. But as they say, as they laughed at the man in the fiesta.
0: Yeah. But I was partying. Fiesta.
1: That's what makes me feel
0: good about the car.
1: You know, they should name a car the siesta.
0: That wouldn't be good.
1: Well, it'd have to be a boring one.
0: I'm sorry. I was. I Take I just I CS2. just all of a sudden I got I just got stuck on this day in automotive history when I, and we talked about General Motors and Toyota joining forces to in 1984 introduce the Nova. And as I said in that episode. Didn't they learn the first time about that name? Yeah, right. (laughs) Like I said, it's time to say goodbye. And it's the end of the year. It's time to look forward or look backwards. And say goodbye to a fair number of vehicles that are dead for the 2024 going into the 2025 model year some have actually ceased production some are just winding down but if you want one of these you better rush out to your dealership now and pick it up most of our information is coming from a december article from Car and Driver to give them credit, it's hard to do this. It's really hard to do this research unless you're Car and Driver or Edmonds or somebody huge like that. We go on random, or are we just going down the list the way they published it.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't think it matters to me too much, John. But um, I mean, we could start with the uh, seeing where. A bit more of an American-based podcast here, although we do have our international listeners. We could talk about some of the uh, uh, more interesting, or uh, I don't really want to. I don't know if I want to call it surprising uh, American cars that are coming to an end, especially those coming out of uh, the Chrysler Dodge realm of the world, or I guess Stellantis. Yeah, let's
0: touch on those because you said it's not surprising. I'm going.
1: Well, I said surprising or maybe not surprising. I don't know. I don't know which way it is.
0: Some of these need to go away. Some of these I'm really surprised because of their market dominance that are going away. And of course, we'll stick with Stellantis to start. And. With the death of the Dodge Charger, its sister car, of course, the Chrysler 300, um, they both go away, leaving Chrysler, I believe, with one model in their lineup, a minivan, and a not-too-great minivan in that aspect. I mean, it's cool looking in that, but everybody I know with them, they seem to be very problematic. Personal research. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but personal research and what people tell me. The, I'm good, yeah, Sorry, the Pacific is not the greatest minivan, but the one here that kind of surprises me. And I'm going to throw one out. I'm going to say something here. Pharaoh was talking about this the other day uh, with somebody with a, his guest, and they were taught. The question was, what car would you like to see made into a convertible? And him and his guests both agreed that the Dodge Challenger would be a great convertible. And they could not understand why Dodge never made or offered a convertible Challenger as a production option. Actually, Dodge did in this final model year. And actually, I think the final two model years, you could order a Challenger on your option sheet at your Dodge dealer. And check convertible. It was a twenty nine thousand dollars option. There weren't a lot of takers. There was one of the cars locally. It ended up being like eighty some thousand dollars, and it was only a Scat Pack convertible. It wasn't even a Hellcat or whatever. But you could get the convertible option through Dodge as a factory option, so it was fully warranted. If you wanted to spend a bucket of money. But then again, thirty grand is probably what a good convertible conversion on the car. I just wanted to get that out there. Say
1: now, if I remember, and and this may be getting a little too far in the weeds, John. But if I remember right, uh, didn't didn't they send the 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 coupe out to an uh, an outside sourced company to make the convertibles? They didn't do those in house.
0: No, they were sent to an outside company to do. But when it goes, when it comes to convertibles, a lot of companies in the past have done that. When the first Chrysler convertibles were built, um, which I really found ironic, that Chrysler or Dodge was not making convertibles anymore, and they were the company that revived the convertible back in eighty two and eighty three. But they would send those cars out, uh, the convertible F body. GM, the Transams and the Camaros; those initially were sent out to a third party. The AS or the uh, McLaren Mustangs or the ASC McLaren that was that basically was all sent out to a third party. No, so it's not unheard of for an OEM to do that. But the thing is, I always wanted one, and I said the moment they make them a convertible, I would consider ordering one, and. Well, when they did, and it became an $80,000 car, and for eighty grand, I want something other than a heavy rear-wheel drive muscle car.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: It should have just been a production thing, but by the way Dodge did it, it was an actual option, and it was covered under warranty. If you have it done aftermarket, gosh, who knows what you're going to get back. <laughs> yeah. Cutting the roof off of a a car, getting the top to stow so it's attractive and making sure the car doesn't flex and the doors will open when you park on on uneven streets and stuff. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. That was just nice to see Dodge do it. But back to our article or our topic, I'm really surprised to see the Challenger go away. It's one of the best selling two door sport coupes in the country. Uh, yes, it's just because we're going all electric, blah, 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 on the new Dodge uh, chart. Ironically, the new Dodge Charger is coming out. But I'm, I'm torn. Why this was an antiquated car, why it's really been in production for 16 years with very few changes, especially visually. It still was selling well, and a big hole's left in the market with another car that's going away in twenty four, and that would be ironically available as a factory convertible, <laughs> the Chevrolet uh, Camaro. Mm-hmm. Why it was the it was number three on the list of these. Sport Coupes that were being sold in the U.S. uh, by American, you know, American manufacturer Sport Coupes. It's going away, potentially coming back as an EV also. I don't understand why Dodge and General Motors, maybe I can understand a little bit more in General Motors just because of their catalog and the... Camaro started to really encroach on the Corvette. So I can I can kind of understand that one. Dodge didn't have anything. You know, Viper's no longer in production, and you get rid of the Challenger and the Charger. Like I said, you get the minivan left in the Chrysler lineup. What do you have left in the Dodge lineup?
1: I don't even know. Oh, well, they've got the new um the Hornet. The the crossover, the small crossover, the Dodge Hornet.
0: Okay, so we're getting close to my prediction from a couple of years back that the whole idea behind Fiat Chrysler and now Stellantis is to kill off Dodge and Chrysler.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, the other. Yeah. The other thing that I mean, I think this shows, at least in, in my opinion here, right, is although they're saying and and they're showing us some concepts of electric vehicles that are going to be coming out specifically electric cars coupes, sedans those type of vehicles it, it really as i was reading through this article looking through it and thinking about it i think it really shows kind of the american mindset on vehicles right now in this point which is We've really become a country of large vehicles and and small automobiles, you know, small crossover SUVs, uh, things like that are are slowly going by the wayside. I, I think that's what some of this shows. Now, it, like I say, they the companies are saying that they're going to bring back electric versions of these vehicles but the more you look at the some of the numbers and and i mean just drive by any any new car dealership and look at the lot it is primarily large suvs and large pickup trucks and th- i mean that was kind of the one of the first places my mind went here john was all of these are our cars and and smaller vehicles because the American market just doesn't seem to want these as much as the bigger vehicles.
0: I agree with you, but I also have I question it because one of the best-selling vehicles, period, outside of half-ton pickup trucks, Toyota Camry, it's virtually the same size as the Charger. Its competition is the Honda Accord, also one of the top 10 best-selling cars in the country. But people use kind of the excuse you just said is, oh, we're moving to SUVs. We're moving to trucks. People don't want
1: these things.
0: Well, why do half a million people a year buy a Camry?
1: Okay, let me let me revise
0: my statement <laughs> I mean, the sales are down, no doubt about it. I mean, we'll go December of 23, they sold.
1: I think it also comes down to a, a, a quality issue. And that's where my point is. For a long time, yeah, for a long, you know, the, the, the quality of the import automobiles, Toyota, you know, Honda, those have been better than the american industry yet we seem to be able to do trucks and suvs and large vehicles a a little better there's there's still some quality issues as we've seen you know ford uh you know acknowledged in the recent past so uh, you know it's it's an interesting time i think to look at and and maybe it's as i say it's interesting times you know Are the American automobile manufacturers, i.e. Ford and General Motors, on the right track by saying, you know, we're primarily going to be focusing on trucks and SUVs? And, you know, is it them understanding their market and where they can best produce the vehicles and the quality vehicles and allow the, you know, foreign import market to handle the automobile, the, the car, the smaller End of this world, or you know, I, I think it brings up a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, and I, I know it's getting us a little bit off a to- off topic, but I think what you, you said is it's a it's a quality thing, and that's why the Japanese and Europeans do cars so much better than Americans. And with this announcement here, the you know the death of the Camaro, the death of the Charger, the death of the 300 and the Challenger, and we've got a few more here on this, the list, cars are virtually not made by American automobile manufacturers any longer. And it's all these CUVs, SUVs, full-size trucks, which Americans have a slightly unfair, or unfair advantage in that unless the Japanese companies or the European companies want to build their truck in North America, Canada, United States, or Mexico, they have to pay ridiculous excise taxes, chicken taxes, et cetera, to be able to sell their vehicles here. So I think the Americans have an advantage in being able to sell their product here over history. Now that Nissan's been building trucks in the United States for Toyota has been doing the same thing. I'm seeing a hell of a lot more Tundras and uh, Titans out there than ever before, especially with these new redesigns on both. I've seemed to really notice these vehicles. Yeah, of course, Dodge and Ford and GM are selling tons more trucks or a good number more trucks than the uh, other auto manufacturers, but I think they just have an unfair advantage. And once the... once the foreign automakers start really, really jumping in, which I think we're at that point, we're going to see things tip quite drastically. And that quality issue, the advantages that push people to buy, you know, F-150s and rams, it's going to be a really interesting day. And I don't think it'll be... It's definitely not more than 10 years out, and I would almost venture to say it could be five years out where we might start seeing the Toyota Tundra being the best-selling half-ton truck. Wouldn't it be weird if that's the one that knocked Ford off its 50-year pedestal?
1: And don't forget, and and when you said that, I I completely forgot that there is a truck missing from this list, John. Uh, Nissan is killing the Titan.
0: Uh, No, they just redesigned it.
1: Uh, They announced in August of this year that the Titan will end production in 2024.
0: I'm going to quickly Google that one.
1: There are numerous articles, and I, I talked to some of the guys at Nissan because, of course, they're located here in Nashville. 2024 will be the last model year of the Titan. Yeah,
0: actually, yeah, it does say that here. It is not on the list. They, I'll read you the quote. Production of the Titan and Titan XD will end in the summer of 2024 at Nissan's plant in Canton, Mississippi. Um, to make way for two new electric vehicles that will be built there, one will be the Nissan EV sedan, which will be called the Maxima. And the Maxima is on our list of cars going out of production, as at least an ICE car. And the other will be an infinity equivalent Nissan Titan pickup. It, yeah, nothing saying anything other than it. It's gone, and it's the Nissan Maxima in that taking it taking it over. Mm-hmm. They sold just ten thousand five hundred and fifty Titans in the U.S. in twi- the first half of twenty
1: twenty three. Yeah, the smaller, the Frontier, the smaller one will continue, but the Titan is done.
0: Well, we've added one to the list. Yes, I'm going to jump to this one because it just happened to pop up on my screen when I went back to this screen. I didn't even know they made this damn car anymore. I didn't even realize they sold these cars here anymore. The Fiat 500X.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know, I drive by the my my beloved <laughs> Fiat of Birmingham dealership, Alfa Romeo of Birmingham, Maserati of Birmingham, and we all know my love if you don't know go back to some of the earlier episodes and they're killing the 500x and replacing it with the updated 500e which is actually still a cute little car and i still would like a 500e but but they you know they've really updated that car but i did not realize they were still selling actually anything in this country under the fiat banner they probably have to, I guess. Otherwise, they're going to end up on millions and millions of dollars to dealerships.
1: Yeah, it kind of shocked me too. I didn't, you know, I see these running around every now and then, the 500X, but I guess it never really made me think of, okay, are they still around? Are they still, you know, I'll just, oh, just, you know, yeah, there's a Fiat 500X.
0: You picked the next one on the list, Derek.
1: Well, I mean if we're staying on the Stellantis, which I know we've walked a little bit away from and sticking in that realm of of and okay, we're we're I don't know how to say this, but uh, you know, Chrysler sticking
0: in the Stellantis family.
1: Well, I'm trying to remember. Is is Jeep part of the family? I'm I'm more connecting it to Chrysler. Yes. So, we've got two Jeeps uh that are, are coming to an end the the famed long-running nameplate of cherokee and the jeep renegade uh are both going to be bidding us farewell in 2024
0: yeah the cherokee's going away but while this car and driver article says after a decade of production jeep is once again pulling the plug on cherokee and the the they wager the nameplate will return in coming years. I'll bet against car and driver on this. I will bet any amount of money they want on this because this is a nameplate that has been canceled with cancel culture, which is really odd because it's a Cherokee because it's so off road and it's so rugged and it's tough and it's enduring. I think it's a compliment name. Sorry if I'm wrong here and it gets me canceled, but, my feeling is because of these negative statements from an Indian tribe, this name will never come back
1: again. Kind of what I'm, uh, what I see in this from, from Stellantis and Jeep is, you know, the Cherokee and Renegade are both some of their smaller vehicles in the lineup and they're going, bye bye, you know, and, and, yeah, the Renegade, I don't know. I've n- personally again, here we go, personal research. I've never dug deep into it. I think everybody uh, that listens to the podcast know I'm I'm not really a big Mopar guy, at least modern Mopar, right? I have a 31 Chrysler, but that was pre-Mopar. Uh, I have never heard really great things about the Renegade. Again, I haven't done deep research, but I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone consider it a quality vehicle.
0: I'll be honest. My stepmom has a renegade. She purchased it about a year ago. Purchased a, It was a used vehicle and immediately had a problem with the fuel pump. And it took over two months to get the fuel pump repaired because of parts availability. And we can blame whatever pandemic's going on or supply change and labor, whatever, It's still ridiculous, two months for a current production vehicle not to be able to get a fuel pump. And it was just a transfer pump to transfer gas from one tank to the other. So she's had some issues with it, but she loves her her truck. And the gentleman I spoke about an episode or two ago who traded his vehicle and bought the electric Kia and not a car guy, whatever... He drove a Renegade. He had a 14 and drove it until, and he said, you know, he had 200,000 miles on the thing. It was time to get rid of it. It was worn out. He never had a bit of problems with it. And it's weird. I hear a lot of bad things about a lot of Stellantis vehicles. The old caravans, for instance, and their transmission issues. My father ran caravans from 84 to the time he sold his business in the early 2000s one out of probably 30 that he had bought had a transmission issue and these were company vehicles that were abused by the drivers and the employees and they didn't give a damn it was a company car so it's weird sometimes our personal experience differs from the the mass majority and sometimes i question the mass majority then again i have pro- cars that have tremendous problems and nobody else has problems It might speak to the way the cars are treated by their own. What's next on the list here?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, in the other American market world, you know, Chevrolet has announced a couple cuts. We already addressed the Camaro getting the boot, if you will. A couple of their EVs are headed out the door, the Chevrolet Bolt, both the EV and the EUV version of the Chevrolet Bolt. And uh, although they're saying it uh, temporarily on on at least the EUV version, and although I think I've heard rumors that just the Bolt nameplate, it's a temporary step away from it. But uh, you know these are these are both going out out of vogue. Let's call it.
0: Yeah, I think this is another one of these rebranding exercises I heard recently uh, within a week, and this on a podcast and it would have been recorded in the last 10 days that the EUV is actually going to stay. I can see it being rebranded because the bolt name with the vehicle fires and that early in the introduction has tainted this name. So I can see a slight refresh coming, you know, let's pause production, sell off everything in the lineup, and then we'll do a slight refresh and we'll call it something else. But the, the car version's gone. The EUV, I expect to stick around. I mean, there's a lot of development costs in these things, and they have to recoup the money, and three and four years of production's not going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to keep it American, and we'll, because that's it for General Motors, is it not?
1: Uh, on this list, that's all I see for uh, General Motors, yeah.
0: Uh, I was going to go ahead and jump over to Ford, and I'm not seeing a couple of the Fords on this list that I know are going away.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I was surprised um, that the Fords didn't make this list.
0: Yeah, uh, There's um, the Ford Edge is going away, and the Escape's going away, and they say the Escape's going to be replaced by an electric vehicle, but these vehicles did become kind of redundant in ford's lineup especially the escape because the bronco sport i think replaced slotted in right between these two it covered it grabbed the people that wanted a slightly bigger vehicle being the edge and it grabbed the people that wanted something a little bit smaller being the escape so you've got your ice engine vehicle to cover these two outgoing products i had an 14 edge before this redesign. I never liked this redesign. I thought it was bad. I looked at purchasing an Escape at one point in time, and it just never, I don't know, neither of those vehicles did it, and this last refresh of the Escape made it a hideously ugly vehicle. I don't have a problem with these going away. I just hesitate And again, we can look at Chrysler, we can look at Stellantis, we can look at General Motors, we can look at Ford. I think these companies are going a little bit too hard in the EV stuff. And even though these decisions are made months and months ago that these cars are going to die, we all have seen the stuff out of Ford now where they're, you know, six months ago, we're going to increase lightning production and triple and quadruple capacity. And now we're cutting the initial capacity in half mm-hmm. because Americans are not buying these electric vehicles. We're not being forced into them. And all of a sudden, like we talked a couple of episodes ago, alternative ideas are beginning to gain some momentum.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's, I think that's interesting. You know, it's an interesting point, John, and it was one I was going to talk about at some point, but, and, and the Ford The talk is is a perfect time for it is, yeah, we see all this stuff coming to an end. but And as you say, these decisions are made at a corporate level months, even possibly a year or more ago that this, this would be coming down the pipeline. But it will be interesting to see what happens with the kickback that we are seeing on electric vehicles, especially with Ford Motor Company and the news that's coming out currently here in late 2023 on electric vehicles. So, you yeah, know, we, we may look back at this podcast episode in a year and come back and say, oh, wow, look at that. They were going to kill these things and now they're going strong.
0: Well, the last one from the Ford lineup, and it still surprises me, especially with everybody abandoning the market. Is the transit connect, and I've repeatedly discussed the transit connect. I loved my transit connect, it again is no more. But this uh, Chevrolet City Express is gone, the Nissan NV200's gone, the Ram Pro Master City's gone. And when we finish talking about the transit connect, we'll jump over to Mercedes and mention that um, the Metris is gone also. And so, I think it's, I think Ford is the one. With their commercial vehicle division, and they look at the commercial vehicle division as almost an entirely separate company. Farley says they have the car company that sells cars and trucks to us. They have their commercial division. They have their software division. And they have their electric division. And there's four companies within Ford that they run. And I like the way they've compartmentalized it like that. This vehicle is so diverse, gets great gas mileage, is not at all similar to the Maverick, which is what they say. Well, you can get a Maverick and do about the same thing. Absolutely not. Pickup trucks and vans are completely different in their uh, utilitarian factor. So I'm surprised this is going away. Ford's using the excuse that it's a global thing and environmentally conscious because, you know, they import these vans and they import them as... With seats in them and ship the seats back and all this other stuff. I mean, it's a little bit of a logistic nightmare, but we need to start producing them here, make them a touch cheaper and keep them coming. And I think the biggest thing that happened because shipping, international shipping went so high, the Transit Connect that I paid. $20,000 $23,000 Twenty-two, twenty-three thousand dollars $23,000 for in 2019 is now a $40,000 vehicle, thirty-five dollars to $40,000 vehicle, and now you're knocking on the door of the full-size van, and then you've got a way, do we get a full-size van, or do we look elsewhere? It became too expensive for the market segment it's in. It needs to come back, it needs to be $30,000, $32,000 in base, XL form, and they'd have a winner. And they already have it. But that's just my opinion. uh, This is me talking to you, uh, Farley. You're you're making a mistake since this whole market segment has been abandoned by everybody. And it's a segment that has always been there since the introduction of the minivan in 84. And keep in mind, minivans today are the same size as full-size vans were in 84 if not bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with, as we've talked about in the past on the show, trucks, you know, the small series trucks today are the size of full size trucks of the eighties and nineties. So yeah, but John, this, the, it, the, the transit connect and the Metris from Mercedes going away along with all the other ones is, is disappointing to me. I'm not going to call it a shock, but it, it's disappointing because, you know, I know a lot of people that like the transit connect as a minivan and just as a, a like you had yours to drive around and, and do stuff with but the small business commercial world in this in America and and everything that is going on today I mean especially post pandemic the the post covid pandemic, And so many people starting small businesses realizing they can work from home or, you know, have their own small shop somewhere in a little town and kind of get back to this small business, not, you know, not big business world that we have so become, I mean, I see these things running around regularly as delivery vehicles for florists, for you know, dry cleaning, for I mean, even uh, you know, I'm uh, um, I, I, I blanking on the name of what I'm looking for. Uh, you know, doggy daycare type situations uh, and places you know that are are you know, veterinarian clinics, things like that. This is a to me, at least from what I see, I, I haven't done the market research, right? But this feels like it's such a big market that everyone is stepping out of, like you said, John. And it it really is, it's disappointing to me because, you know, where are these small businesses going to go for these type of vehicles? And obviously you can buy used, right? But but where are the new ones going to come from?
0: Well, look at what the prices are in the used market because it's so hard to get the new ones. It is one of the, and I talk about this almost every year when we do this episode. If the dealers don't stock them, they're not going to sell them. Mercedes, exception. Every time I drove by our commercial Mercedes dealership, and ironically in Birmingham, we kind of have the Mercedes dealership for the hoity-toity people buying Mercedes. And then we have a commercial one that's loaded with Sprinters. And they always had a dozen mattresses there. But when I was looking for my Transit Connect, it was damn near impossible because they couldn't keep them in stock. And even now, you never really see them on the lot. And even finding, watching the used lots, they're not there because they get snapped up. People find them and they snap them up. And pre-pandemic, I was looking at, I guess when I sold my stuff, I sold my other Transit and I sold my SHO, I was thinking maybe I'll go ahead and get another Transit Connect. And at the time, I could pick one up for 15000 bucks used, you know, a couple of years older. That same 2014, 2015, now three years later with another 80,000 miles, is still a $22,000 vehicle. They've never come back down because the availability isn't there. What this would be, you know, we sit here and say, it's a great small around town vehicle. This would be a great idea for an electric, you know, van. Um, I insulted Farah in the beginning of this. On the same episode that I'm insulting him about on the Challenger Convertible, he also discussed, he's got, you know, he's got his little micro van thing and his guest had just bought one of these little micro pickup trucks. And they love them because they're so easy to run around. Farrow with his business, you know, they can run around in these little things. And it's not this big, you're not driving this big gargantuan thing through LA traffic. You've got something that's easy to park, easy to duck in. I can't fix this problem, but I think it's a problem. And I think some manufacturers are leaving it right there on the table. I mean, Rivian, if you're listening, you're building these Massive electric vans for Amazon. Let's go ahead and look at building a smaller one for the small business because then we're going to get our incentives and stuff. uh You know, go ahead, buy yourself a Transit Connect and do the Rivian styling touches to it and make the floor all batteries. We're good to go. You know, you don't need to worry about quad motor, tri motor, 800 horsepower. You make it front wheel drive, 200 horsepower. 200 miles of range, that'll work most small businesses for a day.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Let's slide over to the death of the mattress. Same thing. Everything we just said about Ford, Mercedes, you know, your van was always too expensive. Well, granted, it was the only one I could put a four by eight foot sheet of plywood in the back, which I don't understand, because I could always do that with a caravan after about 92 why nobody else could do that i don't know but mercedes same thing and then of course mercedes is chopping a whole bunch of cars but that's them consolidating lineups
1: the mercedes list here surprised me this is a lot of mercedes cars uh seeing the seeing the uh the chopping block uh, in my opinion i guess but it, i mean there are The CLS class has
0: been replaced by these funky SUV sport things that they have that have the slope back that really aren't SUVs. They're just lifted. So that makes sense. The C-class coupe and convertible is going away, as is the E-class coupe and convertible. But they're introducing what's called the CLE coupe and convertible, which is basically gonna slot right between these. The E's a little bit bigger, the C's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. They're gonna slot a car in between to try to grab both markets and only produce two cars instead of four. That it looks like a lot of cars, but they're really not going away. They're just changing.
1: They're they're merging. They're they're evolving yeah. over time. They're gonna they're gonna take the C class and the E class and make a baby. That's in between. How's that? Yeah. It's like when you have a really tall, one really tall parent, one really short parent, and the kid comes out right in between the two in size. That's what they're doing.
0: Yep. You know, and it's like McLaren's on this list 720S Coupe and convertible are going away. No, they're not. They're getting renamed at 750. Yeah. I'm assuming there might be a slight styling difference, but what they're even saying here in car driver, it's 30 more horsepower. You know, it goes from 710 to 740 horsepower, which why it's not the 710 and the 740, I don't know. But, you know, McLaren 720S was a nice car out of a lot of our price ranges,
1: this may sound odd for for Derek to be the one bringing these up but and only one of the two is really uh, a bit surprising to me but I'm going to jump over to Kia of all people on this show I'm gonna be the one to jump to Kia Kia cutting the Rio uh, which is a one of their small cars uh, in their lineup but the one that's a bit surprised me because I thought, that it was a little more popular than evidently it really is. Kia is cutting the stinger. Uh, and and this surprised me because a lot of folks I've talked to in the car world, a lot of my car friends, although we understand some of the issues with Kia and, you know, some of their quality, although they've been coming up uh, in quality and, and things like that over the years, I had heard so much about so much positive commentary about the styling of the stinger and the look that Kia brought out with this car. Uh, so this was a bit of a a bit of a surprise to me uh, because as they say in in the article here that it just Kia realized the US market it, it, there's just not enough sales happening with the stinger. Uh, In the US. And it just, it was shocking because even I saw this car the first time I saw the Stinger. I was like, what is that? And then I was like, that's a Kia badge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the Kia Stinger, I love from day one. Thought it was a great car. The thing is, you got to be a car guy to know about it, you got to be a car guy to look at it. And you've got to be a car guy or a car person to want it because it's expensive. And the guy walking into a Kia dealership, oh, the Stinger's great, blah, blah, blah. But if you want the one that all the journalists love and that you're looking 60,000 bucks, the guy walking into a Kia dealership is is not really going to spend 60,000 unless they're going in looking for a Stinger. The guy walking into the Kia dealership that's going to be attracted to the Stinger is going to be the guy that walks out of there with an Optima, another four-door sedan, that he can lease or buy for $240 a month or whatever that is and get his bad credit processed and everything. And it's the same issue that I think Hyundai had when they start, they tried to sell the Genesis before the Genesis became its own nameplate. Hyundai dealerships were used to selling, and this is no offense, not stereotyping or whatever, but they were used to selling to low-income buyers with bad credit. And the person walking in to buy a stinger is not that customer. The person walking in to buy that early Genesis model was not that customer. These are people walking in with great credit that have a um, mindset this is what they want. And when you walk in there and you start doing your Foursquare moving these numbers, they don't they get pissed off and they leave and they go to BMW and buy their stinger, alternative or they go to mercedes or lexus and buy their genesis alternative when hyundai pulled genesis out of the hyundai dealerships and made it its own dealership network and did its own training the cars are becoming successful the same thing is this what the stinger fell into first you've got the you know, it's too expensive for the average Kia customer walking into the dealership unless they put a bunch of money behind advertising. They also have the Kia, I believe it's the Optima 5 or something, K- the K5, which is virtually the same car with a little bit more rounded, not quite as aggressive, still has the five-door hatchback. And it's a cheaper, but the Stinger with all of its performance stuff and that, great car, Um because this is me and we all know how my conversations go one of my ex-girlfriends bought a, a stinger absolutely loves it she did not buy the twin turbo blah 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 high performance model nice reasonable model but still two or three years ago with 30 some thousand miles on it it still was almost a 35 thousand dollars car you know it's a lot of money for, for a Kia. Great cars, great fun. Styling's wonderful. You don't see a lot of them. They don't get talked about a lot. The dealerships don't stock many of them. I could probably count on all my phalanges and uh, the number of stingers I've actually seen on the road in my life. It's There's not a lot of them out there. But if we go back to this list and you review this list, was canceled in 2021 and then stuck around for 2022 and then was canceled again and stuck around for 2023 and then was canceled again and stuck around for 2024. I do believe this is the end of the Stinger because they're going to try to come up with some sort of Tesla Model 3 you know, dual motor comp- electric competitor and call it the Stinger, which Stinger and electricity kind of go together. I mean, it might work. Great car. Its failure is not due to the car. It's not due to Kia. It's due to the dealership.
1: Mm. I I would agree with that, John. All right, where were you going to go before I jumped Kia?
0: Let's go ahead, and I think we're going to – we really only have a couple to wrap this up. We'll save that one to the end. Audi, I guess they're getting out of the two-seat sports car market. TTs are gone great i love the original tt they softened it too much in the first redesign I just made it a regular car and the
1: wait which which original the, the original audi tt
0: no the original audi tt with the um basically the baseball glove interior and mm-hmm. you know they had to go back and add a wing for the recall back in 98 99 that was a great little car in my opinion fun little car uh, convertible version. I love convertibles, you know, it's, it was, it was a Boxster competitor. So I don't know if they got rid of it because they weren't selling a lot of them. And it took away from Porsche sales. Cause again, they're both the same parent company or, you know, they just really weren't there, but the, the TT goes away this fourth generation. It just softened and softened too much. And again, no advertising. They weren't pushed a lot in the press dealerships didn't didn't stock them this might be a car that actually needed to be stocked to be sold again you're spending this much money you want to be able to drive one
1: yeah it's it's disappointing to see these nameplates go away because the tt and the tts have such great history uh, in the automotive you know in automotive history landscape as i mentioned going back to nsu with their TT and the TTS in that lineup which of course Audi gets to have because of the conglomeration of of automobile companies but you know this this nameplate if you don't know the history of the nameplate of the the TT and the TTS all the way back to NSU I highly recommend doing doing a little reading about it because uh, you know going back to the Isle of Man Tourist Trophy these were The NSUs for were fantastic little cars back in the day, and uh, it's it's just kind of it it, it, it's kind of sad to see the the two go away. But that's that's my take on it.
0: Maybe we'll dive into that in an episode, Derek. Um, It would be a interesting story to tell. Maybe we'll pick out two or three cars that have a similar story and do an episode on that one. We came up with a couple interesting episodes prior to the show, so give into some of this. History that we can't cover in five minutes on our, on this day, which is our daily history lesson that releases on Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. There you <laughs> go. Put the days in order for you there. And then, of course, Audi is killing the R8, the absolutely best Lamborghini Gallardo that was made. And then, when it was redesigned in the 17 model year, about the same time, I believe the, the Huracan came to market. You know, the TT was great, but I think they stepped up the Huracan and made it a much better vehicle. And that might've been what killed the TT is, do you want a Lamborghini Huracan for a hundred grand more, or do you want an Audi TT that looks very similar to the Audi TT they had already been making? And, lost that reliability advantage over Lamborghini you know when we're talking cars in this price bracket normally we're not shopping payments so even though it's a hundred grand and that's a you know half a house to most of us it's a good chunk it's not a big chunk of change to the Audi TT Lamborghini Gallardo buyer or or excuse me It's not a big chunk of change to the Audi TT Lamborghini Huracan buyer that, you know, isn't shopping payments. If, you know, you're buying these cars, you're paying cash or you really have no business to be buying these. But so we can say goodbye to it. I think the R8 was a fabulous car. Very, I think it was the very, it was the luxury Lamborghini or the um, very comfortable, very daily usable but unfortunately it slipped away. And I think that has to take us over to another VW product, which would be the Porsche. We're not losing many Porsches this year. No, no, not at all. Uh, looks like we're going to be losing the, it's way down here on the list. You know, first, I guess I'll hit as I slide down the list, Nissan Maxim is going away. Um, uh, Mazda's losing a couple. Mazda's so boring to me, I don't even keep track of what they make anymore. <laughs> and the MX-30 and the CX-9, both are just basically getting replaced by something else. The nameplates are going away, and it's a different thing. But the this one hurts because I find these cars cool. I like them. Um, and if I was to be buying a Panamera, the Sport Turismo would have been my choice. But unfortunately, it's this wagon thing. Why wagons were the worst thing in the world to have 30 years ago. They are the in thing for every car guy. But unfortunately, nobody else in the world wants a wagon. And with the slightly redesign of the Porsche Panamera, the Sport Turismo goes away and we lose the Sport Turismo wagon. I mean, Ferrari can sell the Lusso, which is a shooting brake, basically a wagon. Why can't Porsche sell this thing? Why can't they move them? And it's it's not a stock issue. I don't think it's a dealership issue. I believe this is a customer want and need thing because I drove by my Porsche dealership yesterday And all that's on the lot are Cayennes and uh, not Panameras, uh, Ticons. Everything else is sold out. You've got to order it and wait a year to get it. So it's even the same thing with the Panamera. So I don't know what your feelings are on the Panamera, Derek.
1: Uh, You know, I'm not a big Porsche guy, uh, so I don't stay up on Porsche and what they're up to. Uh, but you know uh, uh, the panamera uh, the whole lineup of of panameras uh, uh, we, even when they were introduced was obviously a bit surprising uh, you know porsche bringing out a four door uh, you know everything that they were they were doing with the panamera plan and uh, i guess it, i'm more confused by what we consider a uh, station wagon anymore uh i i don't know that in in my mind i don't know that the sport turismo here falls into station wagon class for me but you know hey to each their own uh, but again this is a car the panamera that's never really uh, caught my my attention or my eye i see them on the road frequently not the sport turismos but just the the Panamera sedans and uh i just don't i i don't find the styling attractive on them uh, so i guess i don't really have a big opinion on this one john
0: yeah you're right in what the definition of a station wagon is anymore technically this would be a sh- four door shooting brake yeah technically a shooting brake is a two door car and i think but i think the reason it's referred to as a station wagon It's because, again, the car people are the ones that like this car, and they know the difference between a shooting brake and a station wagon. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. since there's four doors, it's a station wagon. It's just because, you know, it's a little bit more upright. It's not the slope-off hatchback. You know, you can put a slightly taller box
1: Yeah, there is a small window behind the C-pillar, so, you know, you technically are falling into that station wagon class of having a window behind the C pillar in the four door with a hatchback or a gate, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm, I'm not, you know, I guess I don't have any, any big feelings on the Panamera sport Turismo uh heading out the door.
0: Oh, well, we'll just go ahead and wrap it up there. If Unless you have anything fabulous that you remember that's not on this list, which I'm sure there's a few more that uh, was missed. These lists change all the time. And I'm sure one or two of these might stick around. Fingers crossed on the Transit Connect.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I'd i have to do a little, lot more digging. but I feel like the only thing that came to mind is I feel like I thought Subaru had announced something going away. But again, I haven't had a chance to uh, look it up in the in the course of, of recording the episode here because it didn't strike me until about halfway through the episode. So,
0: I think it's uh, no. Here it is. Cars. Well, no. Well, this is 90, a twenty twenty two article. Um, said that the um. Imprezia Sedan is discontinued for 2024, but I think that was discontinued prior to that. And oh uh, well, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, give us some feedback, let us know. No drivinggloves.com for everything out there. If you are enjoying our episodes, please share them with a friend. A lot of your podcast players will have something up in the upper right-hand corner. If not, just say, hey, check out this podcast www.nodrivinggloves.com. They'll find something there they like. I promise. Best thing you can do for us. Uh, Derek, anything else?
1: I don't think so. Enjoy the holidays, and uh, hopefully you get a car under the tree this year, because that'd be awesome. That will be
0: wonderful. Dress warm for your polar bear drives. And when you're doing that, at least you're off your ass, burning some gas. John is out.
1: This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Vignani of Magic City podcast with voice work by Gary Conger.
0: So until the next exit...